The following sermon is by Stephen Tillis, pastor of Emanuel Baptist Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. Please visit us at 2100 Noble Road in Raleigh or on the web at ebcraleigh.com. And now, here's Pastor Steve. Hey everybody, let's take our Bibles and turn back to the book of Acts, chapter number 23. We're getting close. Uh, Next week we will um, be in Acts 24 through 26, and then we will finish up at the end of this month, um, the end of the book. We will start on Easter Sunday in a uh, in a new series. Thankful for uh, what the Lord's going to do there. Acts chapter number twenty three. Also want to just uh, make a couple of plugs here for you before we go uh, into the Word. On your way out today, have these uh, Easter cards, and so I'd like for you to pick these up on your way out and invite uh, your waiter or waitress uh, to come for Easter weekend, or your friends, family, coworkers, neighbors. And so pick these up on your way out. It's a great opportunity just to do some non-confrontational invitation and sharing of Christ with, with other plea people. So please pick those up. And then, uh, as many of you know, we just decided uh, this coming Wednesday evening at 6.30, having one of our uh, question and answer nights, as we do. And so um, last Wednesday night, we was, did took a bunch of questions from the floor, and uh, they, were, uh, they were getting rather difficult. Y'all asked some great questions, did the best I could to answer on the fly. So would you do me a favor, if you have a real difficult question, I mean something you like a stump the pastor kind of question, would you please submit that through um, email or text message or something uh, next couple of days just to give me a, uh, a little bit of a heads up so that I can uh, study up for that. We'll do that 6.30 here in the sanctuary um, this coming Wednesday night. Uh, please make your plans to be here and we'll uh, enjoy, enjoy that together. Acts chapter number 23. Let me read for you the first 11 verses. Then we'll go to the Lord in prayer. Paul, looking intently at the council, said, Brethren, I have lived my life with perfectly good conscience before God up until this very day. The high priest Ananias commanded those standing beside him to strike him on the mouth. And then Paul said to him, God is going to strike you you whitewashed wall. Maybe if he was saying it today, he would use some more colorful language. Do you sit to try me according to the law and in violation of the law order me to be struck? But the bystanders said, Do you revile God's high priest? And Paul said, I was not aware, brethren, that he was a high priest. For it is written, You shall not speak evil of a ruler of your own people. But perceiving that one group were Sadducees and the other were Pharisees, Paul began crying out in the council, Brethren, I am a Pharisee, a son of Pharisees. I am on trial for the hope and the resurrection of the dead. And he said this, there occurred a dissension between the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And the assembly was divided for the Sadducees to say that there is no resurrection. And I have to pause and tell you, when I was growing up, I went to a church And they had the cheesiest joke in the world. They said that the Sadducees were sad, you see, because they didn't believe in the resurrections. Man, that's corny. Back to the verse. Uh, Nor an angel, nor a spirit, but the Pharisees acknowledged them all. 
And there occurred a great uproar, and some of the scribes of the Pharisees' party stood up and began to argue heatedly, saying, We find nothing wrong with this man, and suppose a spirit or an angel has spoken to him. And as a great dissension was developing, the commander was afraid. Paul would be torn to pieces by them, right, by the religious crowd. He was afraid that this guy would be torn to pieces, not by the Roman guard, but by the religious people. Be torn to pieces by them and ordered the troops to go down and take him away uh, from them by force and bring him back to the barracks. But on that night, immediately following, the Lord stood at his side, that is Paul, and said, Take courage, for as you have solemnly witnessed to my cause at Jerusalem, so you also will witness in Rome as well. Would you go to the Lord in prayer with me today silently as I pray out loud for us? Our Father, we come to you now, and, and there are many brothers and sisters in this room. There are folks that are maybe visiting here for the first time. And Father, this last week has been busy for all of us, I'm sure, with work and family and friends and life in general. And so I speak on behalf of my friends that are here today, not sure how much time they were able just to give themselves over to your word and give themselves over to prayer. But we, we ask and we plead in the next few minutes of time, would you speak to us? through your word. Would you teach us and help us to be more conformed to the image of Jesus Christ so that when we leave here today and we go back into our world of work and family and friends and life and all of the things that we go back into, that we would go back a little bit more like Jesus, that we would be able to share Christ with other people and that the, the very tenure of our life would look like Christ. So we love you. We thank you. I pray that you would help me now to speak clearly your word, for it's in Christ's name that we do pray. Amen. You can see there in your bulletin a uh, kind of a simple title, God Rules. And uh, brothers and sisters, here's a little, here's a little insight into your, into your pastor's study life. So I love to study the text. I, I love working through some of this. The bane of my existence is Thursday afternoon getting a title to Krista. All right, I am so terrible with titles, and sure, we're on Thursday afternoon. Krista sends me an email. She says, "What's the title for the sermon on Sunday?" And so I was working through, and I, I really probably should have put a better title, but it just simply got to thinking about the idea that God rules. And I think everybody—maybe that's generic—everybody in this room today, all right, we would say in some sense that we assent to that—that that God really does rule. We believe that He created all of the worlds. We believe that He is sovereign over all of the nations. We believe that God rules over the salvation of men and women and boys and girls. And even in our day-to-day -day life, we would assent with our minds that God rules. But when we come to the finer fabrics of our life, sometimes we have a problem uh, translating what we assent to with what our minds to how we live with our body and our life and our soul. You see, sometimes we want to be the ruler of our own life. We want to be the master of our own destiny. Um, the truth is, we want our own way, and God comes along and says, no, I want you to humble yourself before me. I want to be the ruler, both of all of the world and of your individual heart. 
Can I just share maybe three points from the text with you today that I, I think we, just meets us really we are. This whole week, this text has been ministering to me and just kind of trying to work it into my life so that I'd be a little bit more like Christ. I want to share with you so that when you leave here today in your life, you would say, I want God to rule not only over all of the worlds, but I want God to rule in my own heart. Look back down at the text, if you will, at verse number 1 says Paul looking intently and, and those of you that have been reading along in the book of Acts with this you'll remember that the apostle Paul stood with those who were taking the life in chapter number 8 of, uh, of Stephen you remember they were stoning Stephen and the Bible says that he looked intently upon Stephen as he was being stoned to death and he looked like the Lord Jesus Christ and Christ received him as the first martyr up in heaven and now all these many years later we find that Paul is on the verge of going to prison and one day he will give his life as well and it says Paul looking intently at the council he says to them brethren he, he greets these people whether Christian or non-Christian whether Jewish council or Romans he just says to them my brethren and then he says I have lived my life with a perfectly good conscience before God up until this very day now, the Apostle Paul here certainly is not speaking about his unconverted life when he stood there and consented to the killing and the, the murdering of Stephen. What he is saying is, in my believing life, I have lived my life up until this point with a good conscience before the Lord. And I simply would say this, that God is the ruler over a good conscience in our life. And if you want to leave here today and you, you want a good conscience, you want your conscience to be clear and right and good before the Lord, having a good conscience is directly connected to being faithful to the Word of the living God. Amen? That's what the Apostle Paul here, in fact, when he says, I have lived my life, it has, a, it has a political terminology there. And what he is saying to these Jewish rulers is, you guys are saying that you are obedient to the God of the Old Testament. And I want you to know, I have a perfectly good conscience before the God of the Old Testament. I have kept the law of God. Why? Because I have been obedient to the faithfulness of the word of the living God. I have lived for Jesus Christ. Now you say this morning, you say, well, what about conscience? As somebody once said, let your conscience be your guide. I would say to you, never, ever, ever take that as gospel truth. The conscience that we have in our life is that ability to see ourselves and know right from wrong and have kind of that inward alarm that says what I'm doing is wrong. But don't let your conscience be your guide because your conscience can be seared. Your conscience has been marred by the fall. We are all fallen, sinful creatures. In fact, a few years ago, I was at a college graduation and I heard somebody speaking and they said, follow your heart. Brothers and sisters, if you follow your heart, you'll wind up in hell, okay? Don't follow your heart. The Bible says that your heart is desperately wicked and who can know it? The Bible says that our righteousness is as filthy rags. You don't want to follow your own heart. You don't want to let the conscience be your guide. What you want to do is follow the Bible, you want to be faithful to God's Word and faithful to Jesus Christ and live for Him every day of your life. And in so much as you follow Jesus and you follow His Word and you live faithfully in His commandments, then your conscience 
will be clear. Then when you go to bed at night, you say in your own heart, I wasn't perfect, but I gave my life to the Lord and I live for Him and I'm following what He says to do and He has washed my sin away and given me a new heart and I'm living for Him day in and day out. And along with the Apostle Paul, you can say, I have a good conscience because Christ has washed my sin away and I am be faithful to the Word of God. Be faithful to God's Word when it comes to your own individual life and and taking off those old sins and that old man and that old lady and putting that to the side and putting on the new life that follows after Jesus Christ. Be faithful to the Lord in your individual life. Be faithful to the Lord when it comes to your relationships. Treat people with grace and mercy and kindness. Don't gossip about people and throw them under the bus and speak evil of other people. Treat people like Jesus would treat them. Be faithful to the Word of God in your individual life and in your relationship life. Can I say be faithful to God even in your workplace? If you work for a boss, you ought to give a faithful day's work because that's how Christ would want you to live. In fact, Jesus goes so far, he speaks through the Apostle Paul in the book of Corinthians, and he says this, whether you eat or whether you drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Now, some of you here today, your conscience is hurting you. Your conscience right now, as I'm speaking the word to you, is saying you're not following Jesus. You're not being faithful to the Scripture. There are areas right now in your life where the Spirit of God is opening up that closet, opening up that pantry, and He's saying, Sir, ma'am, this attitude, this thought, this activity, this relationship is not right. It's not faithful to God. It's not faithful to the Word. And God is using your conscience. You know what the Puritans used to say of the conscience is that it's God's vice regent. And God reaches down inside of your mind right where you are as you're listening to me and you're wondering, hey, am I faithful to Jesus? Am I following Him? Am I living for Him? Or is there unconfessed sin in my life? Is there an area in my life where I've been treating somebody wrongly and I've I've not been following Jesus? I've not been faithful to the Word of God in that area. I want to say, if you want a clean conscience, repent of that. Turn from that right now. Confess that before the Lord Jesus and ask Him to make your heart right and then Leave here today and be obedient to the word of the living God. You know what it's like when your conscience condemns you, don't you? You know what it's like when you, your parents asked you something and you, you lied to them, you, 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 you know, and then you try and justify in your mind, well, that, that really wasn't a lie. It was just kind of a white lie. It was a half-truth. It was something, but you just keep on going and keep on going. Somewhere down on the inside, you know something's wrong. You know you've done wrong. That is God using your conscience to bring you into conformity with the Scripture. So, and, and then what happens when you finally confess that before the Lord, when you finally tell somebody what has happened, what happens on the inside? There is a release and there is grace and there is mercy. But as long as you hold that in, your conscience will damn you. You want a good conscience before the Lord? Be faithful to Him. 
I remember one time when I was growing up, my brother and I, we were uh, playing around the house, messing around, and I broke something on the mantle. Anybody ever do that? Y'all going to leave me alone, right? You're playing in your mom's doubt house and you knock something off the mantle and it broke. And so you know what I did, right? I just came straight out and said, Mom, Dad, listen, I did wrong. I laid down my life on the cross. I did wrong. No, I did what every good boy does. I set it back on the mantle, precariously put back together, just so that when my brother walked by, it would once again fall down and it would be his fault. <laughs> and you know how it is. You live with that in, in your own conscience until you're just wrestling on the inside. Oh, no, no. Finally, you come through. Can I say something? All of us have had those kinds of activities as boys and girls, teenagers. There's some adults in this room right now. And deep within your heart, the Spirit of God is telling you right now as I'm speaking to you from God's Word, you can think about it. You can bring it before your mind. You know what it is. And it's wrong. And you're addicted to it. And you long for it. And it's ruling your life. And before the living God, it's sin. And you push it down. And you hold it down. And you try and get away. And your conscience keeps knocking on your heart. And when the Word of God exposes light on that darkness in your soul, you're running from it. If you want a clean conscience, if you want God to be the ruler over your own conscience. Right now where you are, listen, in a minute we'll have a time of prayer. Uh, in this church, you're more than welcome as we play music to come and pray down here. But before I even finish, right where you are right now, why don't you just talk with the Lord and say, I know, that, that, I know that's wrong. And I give that to you. There's some of us in this room and maybe you have some friend in your life or you have somebody in your life, maybe a family member or somebody you used to know and you're harboring bitterness and anger and resentment in your own soul and God is tapping on your heart and saying, I will not bless you. I will not walk with you. I will not give you a clean conscience until you're ready to lay down that sin, ask for forgiveness, give them forgiveness and make things right. I want to encourage you today, if you want a clean conscience, conscience before the Lord. If you want the Lord to rule over your conscience like the Apostle Paul, you've got to be the kind of person that is ready to come clean before the Lord and be obedient to following His Word. The Apostle Paul said, I have a clean conscience because despite the fact that I'm on trial, I have been faithful to the Word of God and to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let me give you a second thought here today. I simply would say from the text that God rules even when we dig our own holes. Can you all hear me this morning? I'm sorry my voice is not what it should be today. I, let me say that again. God rules even when we dig our own holes. Holes. Look, look back down at the text. Look at what the Apostle Paul does here. In verse number 2 says, The high priest Ananias commanded those standing beside him to strike him on the mouth. 
Isn't that reminiscent of when Jesus was standing before the court and they struck him? But the Bible says in Isaiah 53 that he, uh, like a sheep before his shears is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. And when they beat the Lord Jesus and reviled the Lord Jesus, he is a humble servant of God, did not revile back. He did not curse back. He did not do something back. But that's not what the Apostle Paul does. Look what it says here. Verse number three, then Paul said to him, God is going to strike you, you white-walled or whitewashed wall. He simply, that's just a phrase to say, you're a hypocrite. He calls out at this high priest, he says, you're a hypocrite. And then look what he says, do you sit to try me according to the law and in violation of the law order me to be struck? In verse number four, those who are standing beside the apostle Paul, they said, do you, not, do you revile God's high priest? Verse number five, the very first part of verse number five, don't take this as if Paul is being good. Paul is actually being uh, condescending and he is being sarcastic here. He says in verse five, I was not aware, brethren, that he was a high priest. He's, he's saying here, he's like, look, you're telling me he's a high priest and he's going to command for me to be hit in the mouth what kind of high priest is that but something happens from the beginning of verse number five to the end of verse number five then rather than going on the apostle paul realizes in his own heart that he has sinned and comes short of the glory of god and he quotes the scripture and he says you're right for it is written you shall not speak evil of a ruler of your people you know, this week I was reading all these commentaries and working through this text. And can I just say to you, it is amazing how many scholars out there want to give the Apostle Paul a pass. And they say all these things. Well, he was this and it was this. and it was, Can you just not see? He did wrong. He got angry because they slapped him on the mouth. He got angry because he was in this court unjustly and he snapped back at him. He was wrong. And then in the next several verses, brothers and sisters, he digs his own hole a little bit deeper. This is what he does. He's not doing something righteous. He understands that there's Pharisees and Sadducees in the room, and so he tries to get them fighting against each other so that they don't kill him. Trying to dig his way out of it. Years ago when I was uh, going through my ordination, I remember I was sitting in the room and these guys were asking me all kinds of questions. And uh, one, I got so lucky, one of the, one of the uh, professors, there's a couple of professors in there, and one of them said to me, they said, uh, Steve, let me ask you this, when you're pastoring your church, do you believe that you should be able to know what everybody gives in the church or should you not know what everybody gives in the church? And I was like... That's a good question. That's what you say when you're trying to think in your mind, right? And I said, you know, I know my own heart. I think it'd probably be best for me just to not know what anybody gives at all so that when I'm preaching on Sunday, it doesn't matter to me whether somebody's a millionaire or a pauper, they're going to get the Word of God straight out. And, I, well, I no more said that than another professor on the other side of the room started arguing with the other guy. And about 15 minutes went by, and it was the end of the hour, and they said, well, you're in. So I got out of like several other questions because they were fighting against each other. That's kind of what the Apostle Paul is doing here. He looks and he sees these Pharisees and these Sadducees, and he gets them arguing against each other. And by the time you get to verse number 10, he's dug a hole. Can I just pause for a moment? Let's just be friends this morning, family. Is there anybody in this room? You don't have to raise your hand. But in your own soul, would you, would you agree with me? Would you look down through the history of your life and say, man, there's been some times, even as a believer, where I've dug my own hole. 
I, I, I've sinned so much. I failed God so much. I dug my own hole. I, I'm down there in the bottom of it looking out. And it's not like I can say, God, somebody else did me wrong. God, this circumstance happened. No, I'm where I am because of who I am. And I have failed God desperately. Is there anybody else in this room that has some sort of besetting sin in your life? And maybe, you know, listen, if you're sitting there and, and you don't want to admit that to yourself, then your besetting sin is your own arrogance. But wouldn't you sit here today and say, man, there's some sins in my life that I just do again and again and again and again, and I keep asking for forgiveness and I keep trying to get out of it, but I just feel at the bottom of the barrel. And I have nobody to think but myself. I have nobody to blame but myself. Have you ever dug your own hole? I want to tell you this. Verse number 11, after he's dug his own hole by snapping back at the high priest, after he's dug his own hole by causing this conflict, when he's at the bottom of the barrel in verse number 11, God still stands with him that very night. And at the bottom of your hole, God will stand with you too. I want you to walk away from here today knowing that God loves you. I was thinking on Friday morning, I was finishing up writing. My heart just was warmed by this thought that the world around us says, you made your bed, now lie in it. You, you dug your hole, you dug your grave, now, now die in that place. And Jesus comes along the way and says, I'll lay down my life for you. And I'll go to the grave on your behalf. And I'll bring you out of the hole into redemption. And I'll stand by you tonight. I don't know who I'm preaching to today. Maybe even to my own soul. But if you're here and you've dug a little bit of your own hole, I want you to know that God loves you. And God cares for you. And is there judgment? Of course. Are there consequences for our sins? Yes. Are there times in our life where we have to go through valleys and hardships and pains? Of course all of that is true. But I don't want you to leave here today without understanding that the God we serve is a God of mercy and kindness and grace and compassion. And whether somebody's done you wrong or whether you have dug your hole yourself, this night He'll stand with you and love you and care for you. You might have come here today and you might feel all alone. You, you might even be married. You might even have children, but you might feel isolated and as if nobody understands what's going on in your soul. You might feel like you've done so much wrong that you can never come back. I want to share with you the truth today that what you need to do is not be better and get better yourself and dig your own way out. Just keep digging. Just keep going. What you need to do is come to Jesus Christ and lay your life down before Him with your palms up and say, my life Life is a wreck. I've messed this up. There are areas of my life that are in chaos. I need Jesus Christ to help me. Jesus loves to help people who are at the end of the rope and at the bottom of the barrel. Jesus wants to help you. But as long as you keep trying to help yourself, you'll be on your own. It is not in the Bible that God helps those who help themselves. The Bible teaches that God helps those who cannot help themselves. Why don't you just go to Him right where you are right now? 
said, man, I, I need you. You might even be in here today and you might be saying, ah, I've been there before. I've done that before. And I feel like I'm doing God wrong to go back into that situation and say, here it is. I just did that last week, Pastor. I want you to know that is the unmerited favor and grace of God that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. And whether you did it last week or the week before, the wonder of the grace of God is right now in a humble heart with sincerity. You can go to Christ and say, I've messed it all up again. Won't you help me? Does God want us to live in discipleship? Does God want us to move away from our old sins into His righteousness and to grow in grace? Of course God wants that. And of course that's what we're supposed to do. But I want to tell you that He's there for you right now. Right now. And some of you in this room, you're battling depression and oppression and heartache and pain. And you're wondering, is there any way out of that? There is. Jesus will stand with you right now. He'll love you. He died for you. He cares for you. So go to Him and talk to Him and find grace to help in time of need. God rules over our conscience. God rules over our circumstances. God rules for His glory and our good. Look back down at the text if you would. Look at verse number 11. What an interesting verse. But on the night immediately following. Hmm. I wonder what that, I wonder what that one night was like for the Apostle Paul before God showed up there. I wonder, have you ever had a long season of night of worry and anxiety and fear? Have you ever lost sleep over what was going on in your life? Have you ever cried yourself to sleep at night and then God shows up on the next night and stands beside Him and this is what it says. The Lord stood at His side and this is what He says. Take courage. That is, have your spirit lifted. Be strong and courageous. You want to be fearful. You want to shy away. But I want you to take courage. And the reason why you can take courage is because I am with you. It recalls Psalm 23. And a lot of times when I do funerals, I remind people of this truth. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. It's not that we do not fear evil because we put on our bootstraps or we're strong men and women or we can do it, we can work our way out. We're smart enough and strong enough and good enough. The reason why we fear no evil is because God is with us. He's with us right now, brother and sister. He is in our hearts. He is in this room. He is in our life. He is in that job that you go to tomorrow. God is with us in the darkest of hours. Take courage in Him. Not in yourself. In Christ, take courage. He says this, For as you have solemnly witnessed to my cause at Jerusalem. See, that's where He is. So you must witness at Rome also all the value of paying attention to every word in the text. Don't you see what God and Christ says to the Apostle Paul? 
He's standing at a council in a courtroom. He's walking in the peanut butter sludge of life with accusations flying around. He feels like he is defending himself against this tribunal. And God comes on the scene and says, what you're doing is not defending yourself but witnessing for me. And take courage because you're going to make it to Rome not to defend yourself before Caesar, but to witness for me. God rules to His glory and to our ever-loving good. I want you to know today that the Apostle Paul did make it there. And when he was in Jerusalem and when he was in Rome, though he may have not understood everything that God was doing behind the scenes, he was witnessing to the glory of God and for the good of humanity about the grace and the mercy that is in Jesus Christ. Take courage today, friends, and be a witness for Jesus. Because God is with us everywhere we go. Amen? I was really encouraged, as I was saying earlier, listening to the guys in Sunday school talking about inviting friends. And here we got youth guys engaging family and friends in conversations about the gospel and to invite them to come and to hear. And I'm thinking in my life, something's going on in that. Something's going on with our youth and that needs to spread to all of us. And listen, if those youth guys can have the courage of God standing with them to share, I want to say that every person in this room today, when we leave as believers, that God is with us and in us and greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world and we too can have gospel centered conversations with unbelievers and see the Lord do his wonderful work for his glory and the good of other people amen Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me for a moment simple simple message today right hey there's some people right now just hey nobody looking around why don't you just take a moment to pray? Maybe you haven't prayed this week. It's okay. Nobody's judging you. Just take a second and pray. And if you're sitting there and you're saying, you know what? My conscience isn't clean. I, I do lie. I do cheat. I do steal. I am disrespectful. I do gossip. I, I could just name a hundred things, right? If your conscience isn't clean, maybe, maybe as I was preaching, as I said that, the Spirit of God brought something to the forefront of your mind and you tried to push it aside so you could think about what you were going to eat for lunch. Something came to your mind right now. If there's something that comes to your mind and your conscience isn't clean before the Lord, why don't you just yield that to Him right now? Just talk to Him privately in your mind. Oh God, I have this in my life and I'm so sorry. It's so wrong. It is disrespectful to you. It does harm to others. And it keeps me from your presence. Oh God, take that from me. I'm going to wake up every day this week. And by your mercy, by your spirit, by your help, by your compassion, I'm going to do the best I can this week to live for you, leaving that behind and walking with Jesus. Ah, in the moment you do that, my friend, God brings the cleanness and the purity to your conscience. You're in here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Throw yourself on His mercy right now. Maybe you're in here today and you're saying, man, I've dug my own hole. I feel bad. 
I want to tell you right where you are, by the grace of God, He's with you. And He loves you. Just confess it, dear friend. By His mercy, leave here today walking with Him. And He'll walk with you. Let us witness. Wherever you are, the Apostle Paul didn't know that he was being the greatest witness at that time being used. He thought he was defending himself in a court. Wherever you are in life, school, work, friends, family, witness for God's glory and the good of people who would trust Him. That's the message for today. You've been listening to Stephen Tillis, pastor of Emmanuel Baptist Church in Raleigh. For more information and free access to other messages, please visit us at ebcraleigh.com.